Welcome back to Burn the Haystack with Josh and Jesse. I'm Jesse. And I'm Josh. And this is a podcast all about saving the best and burn the rest. It sure is. And today we are not alone. We are joined by a famed guest hailing all the way from Melbourne, Jeremy Chu. So good to have you, bro. Oh, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, bro. We're so excited to hear a little bit about you know what you're doing in Melbourne and the reason we got you on the show. Um, but before we start, do you want to just tell us tell us a little bit about who you are, what you like doing, your background, your credit card number? No, I'm kidding. Don't tell us that. Oh, if you want, I can, I can <laughs> chuck that in. <laughs> yeah, so I'm Jeremy. I'm from Melbourne and yeah, lived in Melbourne like all my life. In my spare time, things I like to get up to. I'm pretty into rock climbing at the moment, so that takes up a bit of time when I'm not up to anything, then I'll probably be hanging out at the rock climbing gym and yeah, climbing there with randoms that I meet and other friends that I uh, have that climb. So yeah, that's probably the main hobby at the moment. And then what takes up my life is probably, yeah, three things. So one thing is study. So I'm in my last year of studying theology at the moment in my fourth year. And so I'll be graduating at the end of this year, which is exciting. Looking forward to that. The end is in sight. It is, it is. And yeah, um, it's, it's been a long haul, but I'm glad that I can finally see the finish line, which is really nice. I'm also working as well, currently leading and running a, a tutoring business with my brother. So that's what I'm doing for work. And then, yeah, I also do a bit of church work as well. So at the moment, it, I'm just doing it in a volunteer capacity, but yeah, leading a church plant down in Melbourne called Avenue. So that's pretty much me in a nutshell. Awesome. What are you, can I ask about like tutoring? Like what do you, do you tutor something specific or can you just be like, I'll tutor you in anything? <laughs> Look, I'm, I like to consider myself a j- jackal. Nah, I, I just, I just tutor English. Okay. So I like English because it's like, there's no right or wrong answer. It's like, <laughs> this feels, this feels about right. Okay. And yeah, you just, you just go off that, that gut instinct. Like, I don't understand how math tutors, they, I don't understand how they do it just because I feel like it's hard to be black and white, hard to be objective and get the right answer. I like the subjective nature of English in many ways. So yeah, I'm tutor English and then I have like other tutors in the business as well who tutor a variety of other subjects too. So yeah, that's tutoring. It's it's fun. It's very relational as well, which is pretty cool. I imagine that you um see a lot of different people and you have to deal with a lot of people over the course of of that sort of business, right? Yeah, you you deal with a lot of people. You deal with principals and, and schools, deal with parents a lot, deal with kids who don't know how to spell, a variety <laughs> of different people, which is fun. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I imagine it probably is going to prepare you very well for dealing with problematic <laughs> church members in the future, my friend. Oh, 100%. It's the same thing, right? 100%. <laughs> exactly the same thing. <laughs> Literally. Oh, that's pretty cool. Man, I wish I never had any tutoring in school. I don't even think I realized it was like an option, you know? I don't know why, but I was just, I, I don't know. I was just in my own lane, I think, to, a bit too much. 
you see it on movies, but you always think like, oh no, that's like an American thing or whatever. I don't, I don't know why I thought that. <laughs> yeah. Some people, some people like that. They yeah go through school without tutoring. I had, I only did tutoring in year 12 and I found that really helpful, but for most of my schooling, I didn't do tutoring, but yeah, going to tutoring in year 12 kind of inspired me to start this business with my brother just so that we can help other students who might be struggling or want to excel in a greater way. So this is our way of sort of, yeah, making that reality for students. Mm. Very cool. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. On, on the tutoring note, I, I remember I only ever had one tutor ever growing up as a kid in right. school. I really, and it's funny you mentioned maths because I struggle with maths the most, yeah. I think. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Same. <laughs> and so my mum decided one day, I'm going to get you a maths tutor. So I got this lady as a tutor and she was sort of just like a middle-aged lady, but very, okay. I would say vivacious, just very enthusiastic. Wow. Okay. okay. But specifically very enthusiastic about maths and her enthusiasm, which maybe made other children enjoy maths, just made me hate it even more, which, right. <laughs> which is, it's funny how it had like the opposite effect because she was so passionate about maths and like maths is mm. so great. Mm. And mm. for some reason, it just completely turned me off, which is right. yeah, it's weird. I was going to say that's <laughs> what you want an enthusiastic maths teacher. I but... know. You would think that, wouldn't you? Yeah, I really would have thought that someone who would inspire your passion for maths yeah. through their own enthusiasm. But obviously, yeah, I think maybe the problem work was. I think maybe the problem was me. Yes, your attitude wasn't there, right? Yeah, I had, I had a bad attitude. <laughs> it's all about mindset. It's all about mindset. <laughs> oh man, I love that they were like so good at your their job that it just like it had the opposite effect. <laughs> That's when you know you're doing a great yeah. job. Task yeah. failed successfully. <laughs> oh, awesome. Perfect. Well, hey, let's talk a little bit about your church. So the church is called Avenue. That's right. Yeah. I first heard about the church actually from Josh Wood, who is oh, a right. very okay. dear friend of the show. Or friend, yes, I don't he know, is. Part of the show. I don't know how to, yeah, I don't know how to describe it. When he feels him. like it. <laughs> Pops in every now and again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I see your stuff on, on Instagram a lot, which mm. is cool. So tell us a little bit about it, man. Yeah. First off, like Josh was a big part of the beginnings of Avenue. He was a very essential part in helping it form in those very early stages. So yeah, very grateful for what he's done for us as a church. Yeah, absolute legend. So yeah, Avenue started pretty much the official start of Avenue started in lockdown in 2020, but the origins of Avenue trace back many years before that. So Avenue started, I would like to say the origins of Avenue began in, in 2015 when we started up a Friday night ministry at my school, Nunawading. And yeah, like that was an idea that was on my heart to start a ministry that would reach the students of the school. So we began that in 2015. I was in year 10 at this time and yeah, just got together with a couple of friends and then we started this thing. And then eventually we graduated and then we like sort of passed the keys on to the next year levels to continue leading this Friday night ministry called Revive. And then we graduated and then we're like wondering what's next. And then we started up a, a Monday night thing in my friend's backyard and we called it Avenue because my friend lived on an avenue. And then we realized there's actually some cool like 
metaphorical spiritual connotations behind the name too but that only came later so then that happened and then yeah one year down the track we felt called to yeah make it something more official make it something turn it into a church plant and this was something that had been on my heart for many years because I remember writing down in my journal in like 2015 or 16 and I've looked back on this every now and again when I'm like needing encouragement but I wrote in that journal, like, God, I pray that what we're doing here in this school one day, yeah, become a church. So that was like my dream. And yeah, like to see it kind of happen and see it come to fruition and seeing that God was able to use myself and, and the friends around me to make this a reality was extremely, it's, it's just like, makes me feel very humble to recognize that, yeah, God's been in this, this whole time. So, yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Bro, I love that. I mean, you're in year 10 and you're like starting a Friday night program. <laughs> That's like really rare to see, I guess, mm. a high school student, like a teenager, that sort of spiritually engaged and missional. Can we talk mm. a little bit about like, what do you think are the factors that were influencing you at that age? I mean, I know it's a little while ago mm. now, but mm. yeah. like, what do you think, like, I don't know, brought you into being in that space? And I know it could be hard to like, Mm. think what it would be but mm. yeah if you can yeah ever since i was younger like i'm someone who's grown up in the church but for me i've always wanted to sort of do big things for god in a way like that's always been on my heart like i just want to do things for his kingdom and just do what i can and i had people in my church it's my the church i grew up was mazdaq melbourne asian seventh day venice church mm. so yeah lots yeah. of good food go yeah. check out <laughs> the potluck if they still do it but yeah like I had some really great leaders who yeah invested in me and allowed me to step out and try new things and to embrace my leadership the really great thing about that community was they yeah allowed the the young people to lead which was really awesome we were running camps at in like year nine at the age of 14, 15, we were organizing camps for our own peers in, in our church, talking to venues. And this is like, while we're still like underage and still in, in our school, in school, we were given the responsibility to yeah run camps, figure out the logistics of camps. And I think lots of, that helped set me up for starting up the Friday night ministry at, at the school. That was probably, yeah, a very large factor, but for as long as I've known, yeah, that desire to sort of do things for God has always been there for me. I, if I could just maybe get into the psychology of that, because I think that's really fascinating. Mm. You're not the only one who has mm. had that impulse of, I want to mm. do great things for God. But I think the big difference, if mm. I'm hearing right, is that there were leaders in your life who actually maybe didn't want to equip you to do exactly what was on your heart because maybe they didn't know exactly what was yeah. on your heart. Yeah. But there was almost like an expectation by the sounds of it that yeah. you as a young leader are capable to do things, whether it's just a camp or whether it's later on that that Friday night, Yeah, which I think from my experience is pretty rare in the church, Yeah, uh, at least from my experience. Yeah, I think you've understood pretty correctly like there was sort of a culture where once we were at the age, once we were in our early teens, we saw the people above us who were, yeah, strong leaders and were really caring and invested in us. And it was almost like there was 
that expectation of us that we were going to be like that in a few years time. And we were, yeah, almost in a way preparing to, to lead in that way once they would move on. So yeah, I have so much gratefulness for that culture that I've come from. Obviously there's some, there's some flaws as, as there is in any church, but there's so much like that has helped me become the leader that I am today is those people, those leaders, those mentors above me who showed me by example, what it's like to lead and what it's like to unleash God-given potential in other people. So yeah, I'm so grateful for that. Yeah, no, it's, it's, I don't know. It's inspiring hearing like somebody so young, so passionate and actually doing it, like not just passionate talking about it, but actually doing mm-hmm. it. And I think it's that combination of like those mentors that you had, like the older generation that you saw doing it and then those leaders who believed in you. And mm-hmm. I'm guessing the school itself as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because mm-hmm. it's always had a great reputation for their spiritual atmosphere at that school. Yeah, so, none of yeah. yeah, 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 it's a great place. So, Definitely. Yeah, yeah. man. That's so good. So yeah, I guess moving to starting a church in in COVID, the great time to start. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> but, um, yeah, Prime tell us a time. Bit about it. Yeah, tell us a bit about it. About what the church looks like now. Oh yeah, so it looks so different to what I initially had in mind for the church. I remember, yeah, I came back from a conference once, and I was like, oh, I just felt really inspired to yeah plan a church and to turn what we had in my friend's backyard into a more official yeah, church plant and to release a, a new era of what Avenue could look like. But initially my mindset was more of like, we're going to turn Avenue into like a mega church. We're going to make this into something really big. Like why can't mega churches exist in the Adventist church? So yeah, let, let's, let's try to do it. But then yeah, COVID hit, like we were going to launch in like, June, July, 2020 with a, with a banging worship service, but then COVID hit and then we couldn't do that. And I was like, what do we do? And then I was just trying to get back to the drawing board, trying to think about what we can do during this time. But I think what God was trying to do in us in that time was to teach us to wait on him, to teach us to lean into him for direction and guidance about where he wants to take this church. and as we did that, as we waited on him, as we leaned in to see what he wanted to do in us, I think the shift changed changed in us to really focus on community, to really focus on, yeah, a smaller expression of church. And that's when we shifted to moving more towards a micro church model of church, a more house church network model um, of church. And I think COVID was such a big part in shaping that because we weren't able to have that sort of worship service, but what we could have was community. What we could have was relationships with each other and give each other phone calls, meet with each other within our 5k radius. If we, if we had that, I don't know if you guys had that in, yeah, in New Zealand. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty, it was pretty hardcore here in Victoria with the rules and everything curfews, like yeah, radiuses of where you could go. But yeah, through that, we were able to foster a little bit of a community. But I think the biggest thing that was helpful for that time was helping us to, helping that vision to sort of brew in a slower way and helping others to get around the vision rather than it just being the vision that I had and everyone else like following that. It was like the vision was coming collectively together, which was 
such an important part. And I think if COVID didn't happen and we went with the initial idea of what I had, Avenue probably wouldn't exist today. I think it would have fallen apart. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So talk to us a little bit about that initial vision. I know you kind of already mentioned you wanted to start with a, you know, big worship service. Mm. Tell us a little bit more about what the idea was. And then if you could transition to like what it actually ended up being, I've, you know, I've heard terms like micro church, mm-hmm. but to be honest, I don't really know mm. exactly what it consists of. Like what's the nuts and bolts of it. Yeah. So yeah, what was the initial one? And then what did it transition into during those COVID times? Yeah. Okay. So I think the difference is what I first envisioned of the more, yeah, I mentioned mega church, but I guess what I mean is like a centralized expression of church that is focused and centered around the worship service gathering on a Saturday and everything else would flow out of that. So that's initially what I had in mind. Like we would have like a really great worship service and then maybe filter people into groups after that. But yeah, the worship service would probably be the main thing that we yeah. would we would focus on. That was the primary so like a thing. Big attractional sort of model. Yeah. Attractional model of church. Yeah, correct. But then the shift during COVID was let's now empower leaders to lead smaller expressions of of church. And the way we sort of see it now is each of our groups or what we call house groups, house churches is what we call, we call them pathway groups. So following off that like avenue metaphor, like road metaphor, you got ah, pathway groups. Um, yeah, shout out to Josh Stadnick actually, who helped, who had that <laughs> idea. He like yep. he came up with that name. I'm like, that is that is good. I'm gonna I'm gonna roll with that. So yeah, we have pathway groups now, and we consider each of those leaders almost like pastors of those of those groups. So they have like a lot of authority and and free reign, and we really empower them to to care over their group, to look after their group, but also to seek to multiply that group as well. Apprenticeship is something that is very important to us as a community. It's also very important to me as well. And what I mean by apprenticeship is taking someone along the journey of leadership, having conversations with them. This is from Hero Maker. I see in you conversations where you you see in them what they may not see in themselves. You see, you recognize two things about them. You recognize where what they currently bring to the table, what they currently contribute through their presence, through their personality, through their character. But you also almost inspire a vision for their future as well. You cast a vision to them and say, this is what, this is what I can see you doing in the, in the future through the potential that God has given and in, put inside of you. So you're recognizing that potential and helping them to unleash that potential. And as we do that, we have this vision to become an expanding network of missional micro communities. So we want to see apprenticeships so that those apprentices can then be leaders who can be sent to reach new spheres of influences. So I guess that's the shift more focus on empowering the leaders to reach their sphere of influence rather than getting them to bring their friends along to an event and then allow us to do the work. Yeah. So it's a much more decentralized model, I suppose. There's Because what yeah. I'm hearing is that there's a lot of trust that you actually have to foster in the people that you're apprenticing and that you're working with, that you can't control them necessarily. Mm, mm. 
Correct, correct. You do have to unleash the reins a little bit because they're going to do things that are different to what you would have done. They're going to bring a different flavor to that. Obviously, there are some things that we still we still have standards of what need to be followed. Like it's not just you do whatever you want. We do have elements that they follow. For example, the groups they come to our our larger gatherings. Every now and again, we'll have a larger gathering where all the groups come together. So it's important that they're coming along to that. Often, yeah, we're following the same sort of curriculum as well. The same discussion is happening across the groups a lot of the time. But how the group runs is often very flexible in regards to what works best for the group. And that is up to the leader to decide. And we do place trust in them to figure out what works best for their particular demographic. That's cool. Can I ask like what, <clears throat> like, what sort of curriculum you follow? This yeah. Is like such a pastor. Yeah, question. yeah, right, right. Yeah. The details, <laughs> yeah, the details. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Yeah, I want yeah. yeah, to know. Nice, nice. Yeah, so we follow yeah. uh, Discovery Bible reading. So we mostly follow the approach where you read through the passage. We read through a passage twice, and then we ask, like, yeah, those basic questions. What is new? What surprises you? What can you obey or apply? Yeah, these questions. But often it doesn't we don't actually specifically go through those questions. It just ends up being just a discussion where people are just talking back and forth between each other. Very rarely. Yeah. Is it like, okay, we're following through these lists of questions. People are just keen to chat and, and talk about the text and talk about what it, what it's meaning to them. So, yeah. And I suppose as well, if you're doing it that way, you're not having to spend like lots of money or effort on producing content distributing content, blah, 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 all that sort of logistical stuff. Yeah, no. And, and the reason the reason why we do it is not because we're lazy. It, that is that is definitely the case. Like it is a lot low maintenance and it doesn't take a lot of work to produce or doesn't take a lot of money. But basically, I think it's really a great way of helping people to read the Bible on their own terms, like through those questions and through conversation and just talking about the word it just helps people to read the read the word for themselves and to learn the word in community as well. And it helps people to realize like they can actually bring something to the table too. It's not just this one teacher who has done all the preparation, who is more knowledgeable in the word. Like there's been plenty of times where someone new comes along who is very new to the faith and then they're saying some things to do with the text that I'm like, I, I didn't pick that up myself and I've been in the church all my life. And I think that's what's awesome. It's just learning from each other and just having that posture of humility where, yeah, you can even learn from people who haven't been in the faith as long as you have. Yeah, well, sometimes they ask questions Correct. that you realize. Yeah. I've just made assumptions about that. I'll never forget, um, I used to have a small group when I was at college yeah. and oh, Avondale University mm-hmm. now. I have to keep correcting myself. But we had like a group and, you know, some a couple of guys started coming along and one of them like... Well, actually, no, yeah, two, two of them just had like no faith background mm, at all. Mm. And, but they just loved hanging out. And so, yeah, we were just chatting. And then I remember we were reading through, uh, I can't actually remember where, we were reading through like part of the New Testament and came to this like section about like circumcision. <laughs> and I just remember his face just like, what the heck is this all yeah. about? And he just like looked at me, he's just like, and I just read yeah. it because I'm like in my head, like, I know, I know all this yeah. stuff. I know what it's meant to represent, yeah. all that kind yeah. of stuff. And uh, as you read, I'm like, oh, cool, any questions, guys? And then he's just like, 
why are we talking about circumcision? Like what the, and then like the rest of the group literally was just like, oh man, I've wanted to ask that for years, but I've never had the courage, you know? Like, yeah. Because everybody exactly. just assumes you're supposed to know. Exactly. And I was just like, oh, it was a huge realization to yeah. me. And so it was amazing. It was such a, we had a great conversation about it. And yeah. It took all the awkwardness away, which was cool. Yeah. Oh, definitely, <laughs> yeah. definitely. And even though like I am studying theology, Often I'm asking more questions and then I'm getting more answers from yeah. them than I'm giving answers, which is, yeah, so yeah. cool to see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> so do you all, so you're all like reading the same, like are you going through the same like book of the Bible at the same yeah. time, like the same pace sort of Currently thing? Currently we are, but often some people more ahead, some groups are more ahead than others. And yeah, but that's not a set rule for us because we understand like a new group might come along and currently we're reading through Genesis within our groups, but we understand that maybe Genesis might not work for the new group that comes about. And there's, yeah, willingness to, yeah, defer from that mainstream. Like we'll we'll give a guidance to, to the groups that don't really know what they're supposed to do, but then that's not the set thing that they need to do though. And the way we come up with the book that we're going to read is through consulting the different pathway leaders. So every month we have this thing called a pathway huddle, which is where all the group leaders will get together. And that's a way of sort of making sure that we're united and we're on the same page and that each of the leaders are getting mentorship and empowerment. Yeah, it's through those through those once a month gatherings. And then we'll talk to them about where the groups are at and we'll figure out, you know, maybe this book worked best with the questions that people are asking in your groups. Wow, that's awesome. I love that model. And I'm curious as well, like in terms of location, you started in Melbourne. Most of the people I'm assuming that started with you are in Melbourne. Is it sort of restricted to like Melbourne or uh, do people join, like make groups, I don't know, in Cairns or something like that? Like, <laughs> how does that work? At the moment, we're, mo- we're, we're just in Melbourne and currently we're still, we're still very fresh because this whole model of microchurches and becoming, I guess, a bit more decentralized is only really hit fruition probably last year in 2022, because 2020 and 2021, still lockdowns, doing things only on Zoom. I think 2022 was when we finally were able to move forward properly. And this year is probably the first year where I'm actually feeling like we have that momentum. The vision is being owned by leaders in a great way and people are really getting around it. So yeah, currently we're just with three groups. We've got three groups in in Melbourne in the eastern suburbs, but we're hoping to yeah multiply those groups by the end of this year. So yeah, we're open to possibilities of wherever God leads and wherever He wants us to plant new churches. But ultimately, we wherever He leads, like we want to be multiplying yeah network of missional micro communities where we can really embody what it's like to be yeah, the priesthood of all believers and to see people just, we just want to put put church back into the hands of like ordinary people. One analogy that I like to look at is like Airbnb who completely transformed the accommodation like industry. And they did that without owning a single piece of like, yeah, a single piece of, of property. How'd they do that? They put accommodation and the ability to, host people into the hands of ordinary people. And I think like that's what's really beautiful about this expression of church that I found. And 
it's not to say this is the only expression there's yeah i'm not one to say this is like absolutely the only way to do it and this is the the best way to do it it's just the way that i've found value in a, a way that's worked great for us it's awesome to see yeah church being put in the hands of ordinary people again yeah 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 no that's it's it's really cool and i think it's i think it's really needed like like again i don't think I don't think it's a one one shape fits all like kinds of people, mm. but there are a lot of people who I think I think kind of need this sort of model. Like that's what's actually going to be best for them in some communities where this is going to be the best way to. Yeah, I don't know. Like especially yeah. like I think about here in Sydney, like where I am. Yeah, we're in like what they call the Bible Belt of yeah. Sydney. You know, because yeah. it's like this is where Hillsong started, and then a whole lot of big churches sprung up after them, mm. and so. I think a lot of this community has seen that big attractional mm. model of church mm. and it's not bad. Yeah. Like obviously it's reached heaps mm. and, and helped heaps. But, you know, I think about, well, maybe they also need to see more expressions of church because yeah. some people just aren't going to connect with that. Some people yeah. will and some people exactly. won't. And we just need to have, yeah. <laughs> so, like, can I ask, like, how how big, like, is there, like, a limit on group sizes? You know, where, like, what do you... What do you max out at before you like, nah, you guys need to like split or something? There's no real set number. It's more dependent on leadership rather than number than numbers. So if there's a leader who's ready to go, then that's when it's time to send. Like we're not about splitting groups, we're about sending people. And I think there's a difference. It's like you don't split when the group is at a certain number because there may not be a leader who's ready to lead in that new group, lead a new group. A new group could start when there's only like, maybe seven people in one group because there's a leader who is feels called to reach a new sphere of influence. Yeah, we want to commission, we want to send them to do that. So it's it's more dependent on leadership equipping ra- rather than the numbers of the group. Um, but then I guess there does get a point with the group size where it's hard to build those community and those deep relationships because that's what the groups are all about. It's about building genuine, authentic relationships. And that gets a bit harder once the groups are a little bit bigger. So then, yeah, you would probably want to consider yeah, sending someone to start a new group. The The bottom line is it's not really dependent on a number. It's more dependent on, yeah a leader who feels called to reach a new sphere of influence. I'm curious, you've talked a little bit about the discipleship process, but I just wanted to drill down a little bit more into that Mm. because obviously with a shift away from an attractional model to a decentralized community model, there is going to be a whole lot of, I guess, discipleship forming in a way that is probably unexpected and as you've already mentioned, you, you can't control. Mm. So has there any has there been anything that has sort of surprised you about the way that people are being formed in discipleship in these groups? Have there been things, I don't know, blossoming and blooming out that you mm. <laughs> that mm. you didn't expect mm. when it came to doing the uh, church this way? So I think one thing is people are building relationships and bringing people into a church in a way that yeah i have not really not really seen before for example one one example is my brother who is in university at a university in melbourne he made friends with someone who is into soccer like he's into soccer and there's a group of people from our church who play futsal on on tuesday nights and 
essentially my brother invited this other guy who was into soccer to join the futsal team. And then we built connections with him through that. And he's been coming along to our pathway groups. He comes along to our worship services and he even came along to big camp as well, which was like a pretty big step for him too. So yeah, just coming in those very ordinary places where people are creating connections. Another example is in with climbing. I was, I spent a lot of time in the gym and I built friendships there with people. And I actually met some other Christians there too. And I spoke to them about, you know, what we're doing in church at, at like at Avenue. And they, they were like, oh, that's really cool. And I just shared with them, I really believe the future of church lies in ordinary people. Just, yeah, bringing the gospel through relationships that you make in where you're already at. Because often we think like evangelism involves going to somewhere new and sharing the gospel there. But I think like if we're doing that, then we're just adding something extra to our life when it doesn't necessarily need to be that way. It's about changing the way you sort of see life, the way you perceive, yeah, the way you go about kingdom living. And then as you do that, then that that shifts things. So, for example, yeah, I was talking to some friends at the gym and I was like, yeah, how about you You start a, start a church at the gym? So every Thursday night, they're meeting upstairs at the gym and, and having Bible studies and, and praying for each other. And they're, they're seeing God do amazing things through them. And this is something that's like outside of Avenue, like it's not underneath the Avenue umbrella, but I'm just so glad to see like people owning this expression of, yeah, just genuine connection in smaller groups where relationships can really be formed. And through those relationships, they're seeing God through the lives of their friends because people, I think, coming out of lockdown, people are craving community. People are craving just that connection. And like, I feel like the church should be one of the primary, or oh, if not the primary, like means by which people can find community. Because, yeah, we can offer something that is like, yeah, different to anything else because we have, we know the love of Jesus. So, yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a community fueled by unconditional love. Yeah, which I don't I don't know if you can find it anywhere else. Most other communities are based on a common interest, exactly, or a common goal, exactly. Whereas this is based on just a savior and unconditional yeah. love. Like so, yeah, yeah. Which is challenging to maintain that all the time, but that's the idea of mm. it. That's the power of mm. it. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. And I was going to say that concept of just ordinary, I guess, changing the world just de- just resonates so deeply with me. It's something that I felt for so long that, you know, most of us, when we go to church, those of us who are church members, we go to church, we sit in a seat and we listen to the professionals do their thing. Mm, and we kind of mm. accept the lie that we've told each other and we've told ourselves that that's the job of the professionals to do mm. the evangelism, to do yeah. the Bible studies, to mm. do the baptizing, to do the discipleship. But actually mm. the power of Christ has always been in the hands of individual, everyday, ordinary people. Uh, the, mm. the analogy that I always think of is like the Lord of the Rings and, <laughs> and you know, the hobbits. Like, yeah. You have these amazing characters, these mm. really, you know, your Aragorns and your mm. Legolases mm. and 
but it's actually the two weak, ordinary hobbits. Who save the day. Who yeah. save the day and yeah. who save the entire world. And at the end of the day, they just go back to their little hobbit hole in the Shire and they live out yeah. their life. And Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's how I feel our responsibility of church leaders, pastors should be. It's to be empowering those people to recognize that that God-given potential. And that's become the mission. That is the mission statement of my church, of Avenue. Our mission statement is simple, to unleash God-given potential. And that comes through those ICNU conversations. And I practice, I try to practice that all the time with everyone in my church and everyone I come in contact with, just trying to see in some see in them something that they don't see in themselves. And then as you empower them, I think that's the most amazing thing to see God use them in ways that they never thought possible. And as they do that, they realize, man, ministry is awesome. Like leading in church, leading and being a part of God's kingdom is like, is like the best thing you can give your life to. And that comes through, yeah, empowering people to recognize their God-given potential and to live in it and to walk in it. And that's what I just want to see in the future of the church, just yeah, ordinary people becoming heroes because we as leaders, like we recognize that potential in them and just want to see that potential unleashed. So yeah, I think if we want to see change in the church, if we want to see the church become the movement that it's meant to be, then that's not going to come because something changes like in the institution, like we can't be relying on the institution to do that. It's going to come through, yeah, ordinary people who know that God wants to do something through them. And yeah, they just lead, yeah, grassroots ministries within the organization. But yeah, they're stepping out in their God-given potential to and following and being obedient to the calling of God. So good, man. I love this. Yeah, so exciting. I, I wanted to ask about one more thing. Mm. Your church is really active on Instagram, mm-hmm. which I think is great. Is that like one of your primary communication methods for your church? Yeah, probably. But actually, I would say the primary communication method is through the pathway leaders who communicate to their groups, because I think that's probably more powerful in getting people to come to things. The personal invites probably more powerful than seeing them seeing an ad on social media. But yeah, still worthwhile to have a good social media presence online. And I'm grateful that we have, yeah, people who are able to lead that and, and head that up. But yeah, probably not the the primary, but yeah, definitely a part of, yeah, communicating events to the wider audience beyond just Avenue. Avenue Mission on Instagram, avenuemission.com for the website. Yeah. So everything Avenue Mission, yeah, you'll find, you'll find us pretty much. I like seeing, I guess, because I mean, I've never been to any of your micro mm. communities or any of your mm. gatherings or anything like yeah. that. So I can literally only go off conversations I've had with you when you were up here in Sydney yeah. recently and also like, you know, now. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> and just conversations I've had with other people who've been yeah. there than just obviously the Instagram page. So for me, I like seeing something that looks like an honest reflection of a community mm. online, if that yeah. makes sense. Okay. And it's like, you seem to have a lot of people who like, Instagram just that's their platform. Yeah. And so that's like when the church comes together, it's like an honest expression of that community. Yeah. Which I think I don't know, it's just really cool to see. You don't see it a lot like I think like that authentic online expression of a church community. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's cool to see people's faces. A lot of the stuff that you see on Instagram is just like pictures of 
things that are happening in the groups, a baptism that might happen, maybe an event that just happened as well. And yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Like I enjoy looking at the Instagram and I'm grateful for <laughs> I'm grateful yeah. for like yeah, the the leader who yeah, heads that up and yeah, uses her creative gifting in that area. It's really nice to see. I know yeah. that we've maybe touched on this a little bit already, but yeah. do you just want to tell us a little bit about maybe I don't know if I don't know if you have grand plans for the future that maybe that that plan that idea that's at the back of your head that you're kind of afraid to admit out loud or maybe mm. you've talked with your team about like what does it look like now you've transitioned out of covid you've got three groups you're hoping to multiply a little bit more in the future or maybe mm. a lot i don't know what what is the dream moving forward for avenue mm-hmm. wow Man, I, I love I love chatting about vision. I love chatting about the future. It's so exciting. Sometimes maybe a little bit too much because sometimes, yeah, I feel like I sometimes leave people in the dust. I realize like when you're giving vision to people, you've got to kind of give it in bite sizes so that they can palette it and understand it. But I think what I would like to see is currently our vision is to become an expanding network of missional micro communities. So what that means is leaders apprenticing new leaders to plant new micro churches. But I would love to see Avenue one day become an expanding movement of missional networks. So what I mean about that is new networks of those micro communities being planted in new, in new areas. So yeah, there is, I feel like opportunity, opportunity has been popping up. I've been having chats with people about, yeah, potentially planting a new network about with, reaching a new demographic of people within Melbourne. And I just have like really big dreams for, for the future. And I see the vision becoming bigger than myself. It's become people owning it, people getting around it, people understanding the DNA of what Avenue is about. And I just want to see them taking that DNA to reach new places, to reach new spheres of influence. And to not be afraid of making mistakes because that's the biggest thing I've learned is like this whole process has just been a process of failure for me, just failing over and over again, stuffing up, making bad ideas. Like I've probably come up with like 50 ideas and only one of them actually eventuates in anything and people not being afraid to step out and try new things, not being afraid to take risks because that's what, I think church planting is is all about. That's what pioneering new things is all about. It's it's taking risks and embracing failure, learning from failures. And from that, yeah, God does so much through you when you are, are not afraid to take those risks and not afraid of failure. Yeah. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And I think like even starting like a your own, you know, like small group, like a Bible study or something. Yeah. Like so many people are really intimidated and don't think they have yeah. the ability to do it. And I'm like, guys, it's, I don't know how to explain it, but it's, it's really not that guys, yeah. it's like, easy. You don't Just have do to it. Be, yeah. 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 Well, you don't have to be a, like, I think people think you have to be like a pastor or like a theologian. And like, I guess it helps with like, if you get intense Bible questions, for sure, for sure. but just sitting around and doing something like the discovery Bible reading plan, which I don't know if we've talked about much on the podcast, mm. but if, if our listeners haven't heard it, it's by Peter, Peter Owen Felt. Yeah. 
almost said his brother's <laughs> name, sorry, Peter Rollenfeld. You can just check his stuff out online. He writes his books. But basically he's got this, you just read a passage of scripture and then there's just five questions you can ask in a group. Mm. And that's enough. And if you don't know the end, like if somebody in your, in your group does ask like a, a curly question or something, like the best thing you can say is like, I'm not sure. Let me look into yeah. it and like I'll, I'll get back to you. I just haven't thought about that before yeah. and I, you know, want to give a well thought out answer. How about next time we meet, I'll share that and reach out. You can, if you can't figure it out, reach out to a Bible nerd. Like, you know, like you can reach out to like somebody who has a theology degree and they've probably already heard the question 20 times. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, I would say something like yeah. this, check out this resource yeah. or whatever. Like it's okay to take time with these things and people understand. Nobody expects somebody else to be a, exactly. a full encyclopedia. Exactly. And they probably appreciate <laughs> you actually- saying like, I don't know as well, because it shows like, yeah that you're not this stuck up Christian know-it-all who has all the answers, but you're like, yeah, genuinely in the same boat as them. So, yeah. yeah. I say it all the time and I have an degree in this stuff yeah. and it's fine. People love it. Like they love when you come back to them like two weeks later and be like, oh, hey, you asked this. And they're like, oh, I forgot I asked that. Yeah. I don't really care. Yeah. But you know, you're yeah. like, well, I'm going to answer yeah. anyway because I've been researching it for two weeks. Exactly. Straight, exactly. <laughs> and the best way to learn is by teaching. I'm sure actually that mm. cycles right back to tutoring, right? Anyway. Oh, oh, there we go. Back to where we started. <laughs> yeah, <full> <laughs> I don't know. Like, I think the best way to learn is by teaching. So I don't, I don't know. I don't think people have to be intimidated by something Definitely. like this. Like starting a small group, it's super powerful and... Yeah, I don't know. Like, I think you have a really approachable model. I'm excited about the future of, of Avenue. So, Thank you. Yeah, really great. Thank you. Yeah. It's been a journey, but yeah, I'm just grateful for the whole process because I've learned so much from it. And I'm grateful for my team as well, who's been with me through those failures and mistakes that I've made along the way, been so patient. And I think that's like a big thing. Just surround yourself with people that are willing to fail with you. And then you find like success, I reckon. On that note, Jeremy, we're almost at the end of our time together. But if somebody out there is thinking about maybe taking the plunge or jumping into a similar type of idea, what advice would you give that person? Hmm. I think there's a few things. First one, dream big, but start small. Don't despise the small beginnings because when you embrace those small beginnings, the worst, first worship service we had, we were only five people who weren't in the team rocked up. When you embrace those small beginnings and you see where God then takes you, you realize it wasn't you who got you there. It was actually God who was the one who was leading you that whole time. Um, and he was the one who gave that increase. So you never become proud. So embrace those small beginnings because it re- makes you really appreciate what God can do. But then dream big as well. Have a hungry discontent for where you're currently at and just desire more because God wants to do more through you. And God wants you to dream big. He wants you to have a, have a dream so big that you need him to de- you need to depend on him to make that happen. So that's the first thing I would say. The next thing I would say is... Don't be afraid to fail, make mistakes, keep failing, surround yourself with people who will fail alongside you. And then also, yeah, be obsessed with unleashing God, human potential as well. Like just make that just such a big priority because when you do that, it's, it's just such a fulfilling thing. And if you want to see the church grow, if you want to see the church become the movement it's supposed to be, then that's going to come in training up leaders to yeah, recognize their calling that God has put upon their life and to, to follow that calling with full obedience and full faith. 
But yeah, and all this needs to be bathed in prayer as well. All of this takes so much prayer because it's not something that you can do alone. It's something that God needs to to do through you. So yeah, those are some things that I would recommend. Dream big, but start small. Be obsessed with unleashing God-given potential. And then, yeah, make mistakes and keep failing. So those are the things that I would recommend. If you're willing to take the plunge, just go for it and, and do these things. So good, man. Wow. What great wisdom. I love this. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Man, well, like I think, I think we've covered it. Hey, is there anything else you wanted to share before we wrap up? I believe in you guys. Do your thing for Jesus and like just be obedient to him because all, he, doesn't, he doesn't need you, but he wants you in this process. He wants to, he wants to involve you. He wants to partner with you because it, he's, he's the best at unleashing God-given potential and he wants to unleash that God-given potential in you. So partner alongside him and yeah, just be along for the journey that he wants to take you on because it's so fulfilling. A life of service, a life of sacrifice is the most fulfilling thing that I think you can do in this world. So yeah, live your life to love God, to love others, and you'll see God do amazing things through you. So good. All right. That's great. What a great place to land the plane. All right. Thank you so much, Jeremy. Guys, get on, follow Avenue Mission on the old, on the gram. Check out their website. Keep watching what God does. And, you know, we'd love to hear if you guys um, have any thoughts about microchurch. Yeah, we'd love to hear. So reach out to us. We always love hearing your feedback, mm -hmm. even on the the Facebook group, guys, starting some great discussions on there. So we'd love to hear what you guys have to say about this. Maybe you're a part of something like this. We'd love to hear your your feedback on it too. Mm. Any thoughts, Jesse, before we wrap up? I'm I'm basking in the in the vision here, and yeah, just thank you so much for what you're doing, Jeremy. Really believe in everything that you guys are doing in Melbourne, and can't wait to see what God does next, man. Thanks, Josh. Thanks, Jesse. This has been great. Awesome. All right. Thanks, guys. Stay awesome. That is Josh, Jesse, and Jeremy. 